murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got another circus. <laughs> so, did you, uh, dude, did you see Colorado? You catch any hey, of that? I, dude, I watched the entire game, and I tell you what, it's a, uh, and for those that, that aren't following or talking about college football, uh, the, it comes down to believing in the system, man. I mean, well, one, do you want to get the background or you want me to do it? Either or. No, you can give the background. That's fine. So basically Deion Sanders, right, comes in, takes over the program. And I think by the time the season started, he had 10 returning scholarship players. (laughs) Everybody else transferred out. And he was able to do this under a rule that, which I didn't know about, uh, that a first-year head coach can basically get rid of the entire team as long as the institution still uh, provides some financial assistance to the kids. That way he can't just come in and be like, hey, no scholarship for you, get off the team, right? Uh, especially if it's a third-year kid or second-year kid or something like that. But they were like, what, 1 in 10, 1 in 11 the year before. And yep. so, you, you know, I remember ESPN and Sports Illustrated and all these other people pooping all over Deion Sanders. And, you know, I don't know what kind of coach he's going to be and, and who knows how Colorado turns out to be or how good they turn out to be. But at 1 in 10, 1 in 11, whatever their record was, that obviously wasn't working, right? And at one, at that with that record, that goes beyond just the coaching. That, that means that your players also suck. And it's probably a combination of the players, the system, the coach, the AD, all of it just sucks. So you know what? It's time to cut sling, man. And, and that's what he did. And he came in and basically was like, hey, you either leave or I'm going to force you to quit. And, and which I like. I mean, a lot of people were hard up about it, you know, with him coming in with that attitude. But he told the players straight up, this is who I want to keep. Everybody else, you need to go. They all leave, and he comes out, man, and you can go into the game. I know, like, the first like first couple possessions, I was like, dude, this is legit. And you know what? With that win, and who knows what happens with Nebraska. I think Nebraska could be a tougher game because Nebraska's coming off a loss. Uh, so, you know, especially this day and age in college football, man, you go – you know, you can survive a loss. You survive – you know, you have two losses. I mean, you're pretty much out of the bowl games, I would think, unless you're like a Georgia or you're in one of those – you know, a tough SEC conference where you're playing that, that, that conference or that caliber of uh, – opponents but uh you know I, dude one thing that he has done is he has made those kids believers they are believers and i tell you what man you can do a whole lot with motivation a whole lot yeah and you know dion dion is one of those people i've never heard anybody say eh, yeah he, he's okay dion is one of those people he's very polarizing either people really really like him or people really really hate him kind of like Trump. i mean he <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like Trump, but more people like, there uh, like. <laughs> but but more people, yeah, more people like uh, more people like Dion than they do Trump, probably. Um, and and, and Dion's Dion's winning. If he wants two games, hey man, he he'll have won more uh, games than <laughs> than Trump has elections, right? So or that that, that they won last year, so he's doubled it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he you know he came in and I you know Dion. I've always liked Dion, you know, ever since he played at Florida State. You know, he is he's an electrifying player to watch. Like he he is a lot of fun to watch. You know, he played for the Braves, which are, you know, it's my team. And, you know, he's just he he is a he's a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, he is just one of those guys that when he shows up and he says, I'm gonna do this, he's going to do it. You know, I still I think he's still the only uh the only athlete to hit a home run and catch a touchdown pass in the same week. Dude, right? that's incredible. It's, old school yeah, days, right? That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old school days. Um, so he came into Colorado, like you said, and he cleaned house. 
And for the ones that stayed, he flat out told them, he was like, look, the, you know, the easy days of, uh, of training and, you know, basically kindergarten, like those days are done with. And he took them, he took those kids and man, he trained them. Yeah, like he wore them out. Reading a bunch of stories about, you know, their training camp and, you know, on the net, I think it's on Netflix, the Swamp Kings about the Florida, Florida Gators back during their, you know, a couple of national title runs and stuff. Dude, Urban Meyer doesn't have anything on the way Dion just ran, ran those two a days this past summer with Colorado. And not only that, dude, they started the, they started their season with 86 new players and the majority of them, 70 something of them came through the transfer portal. Right. So he took that transfer portal and he was like, Oh, we're using this. And he brought in, dude, his son's the quarterback. And, and he, you know, a lot of had people, a phenomenal game, right? He said, Yeah. Record. Yeah. He said, he, Yeah. He set a record at Colorado. And, you know, a bunch of people were like, uh, You know, it's nepotism. You know, he's bringing his son in only because it's his son. And then his son goes out and, you know, shoots the lights out against TCU. 500 yards, like, five touchdowns, yeah. no interceptions. And everybody's like, like, Oh, okay. Well, the kid, this, this kid can actually play. It's like, Yeah. Because he's Deion Sanders' kid, and that kid was trained. That kid was training for Division One football since he was six years old. Since he went Pee Wee football, Deion was training him to play in Division One. Like, I mean, that's just you know. So people are like, "Oh, well, the kid can play." We're like, "Yeah," because he's Deion's son, and you know, love or hate Deion Sanders, that man has high expectations for himself. He has high expectations for his players, and he's going to hold people to that. And, you know, even if that, even if those are his kids, like he's going to hold, he's going to hold them to that. So along that same vein of people hating Deion Sanders, I will say when he came out, you know, in his press conference and he talked, man, he, as Luke would say, he talked a lot of Yang in that press conference, you know, talking to reporters, he's like, oh, I brought receipts. I brought receipts, you know, cause you guys didn't believe you believe now. Do you believe now? <laughs> and so, I mean, he was calling reporters out and it was, it was cool to watch. Um, I just, I hope he doesn't go down the whole, like, you know, you're upset that I'm winning because I'm a black guy. Um, he, he started down that road a little bit and I was like, don't do that. Like, don't do that, man. A lot of people like you, like, don't, don't, don't do that. Just go um, win. Yeah. Just go win. That's the best way to shut people up is just go win. Um, and so now the transfer portal, right? So they saw, you know, the, the SEC commissioner came out, um, what's his name? Uh, Greg Sankey came out and said he finds it, quote, troubling what Dion did at Colorado with the transfer portal. It's like, well, yeah, you found it troubling because he used it to his advantage and he just punched him in the mouth. He punched TCU in the mouth. And, and TCU is a good team. And they kept it, it wasn't a blowout or anything, but it was a good game. Colorado came out TC, and played Smash TCU's football. ranked. They were ranked. Yeah. Well, they were ranked. <laughs> Yeah, they they were ranked <laughs> until they until they lost to the you know Colorado team that won one game last year, and I don't think won won any games the year before maybe, but you know, but Greg Sankey he didn't have any issue in 2019 when LSU's then quarterback you know this 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 you know kind of no name guy named Joe Burrow came out and won the national title for LSU that was fine or when uh, Stetson Bennett transferred away from Georgia and they came back to Georgia and Georgia won two national titles, you know, on his legs at uh, a running back, you know, it was fine. But Dion uses it, you know, to basically overhaul, you know, Colorado's football team. And like you said, he gets people to believe and now, you know, Oh, well that's troubling. You know, I don't know what's, you know, it's going on. It's like, no, it's, it's good. Hey, you, cre- you know, you help create this system. And now when somebody uses it, you're upset. It's like, don't, don't do that. Don't be that guy. Um, I'm but just, he used I'm a little known. He used a little known loophole, and I shouldn't say loophole. It's a rule that a first year head coach 
can do that. And I, yeah. I actually like that rule because a lot of, uh, and, and our sports followers out there know this, but a lot of these players, when they commit to schools, they commit to the coach. You know, yep. they want to go play for Hubert Davis or they want to go play for a Rick Patino or whatever. And if that coach leaves, it's like, well, okay, this is the whole reason that I, that I came here. So you have to yeah. have some latitude. So it's not like he can come out and clean the portal, you know, every day or every year. What I, I want to ask you real quick, because I, I've got both sides of the coin on this thing. At first, I'm just like, man, this is so bad for me. Because the transfer portal, and I'm going to go into this after, after our next rotation, because the NCAA, just, they suck, and they just need to go away. Um, but at first, when I saw it, I'm like, man, this is like so bad for the NCAA and how they manage the transfer portal. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, this might actually be the best thing for the NCAA in the transfer portal because even though I agree with how Dion used the system and he was within all rights to to do it the way he did it, uh, and, and I agree with obviously, especially with the win. Uh, but hey, man, you're one in eleven. It's it's time to cut sling. Uh, maybe this time because it was willy nilly, man. How they kind of came up with the rules for the transfer portal, especially like in college basketball, it's like where people can just leave whenever they want to. And I was, we've talked about before where, you know, I was always a fan that, okay, there's extenuating circumstances, you know, the, the, uh, the school gets suspended, uh, like ASU, um, the coach leaves, retires, whatever. I think it's a big one, you know, allow the kid to go and allow them to play immediately. You know, the problem is when you have schools that are going to actively recruit, uh, entire teams to basically, because of nil, right, to buy a championship. So I'm hoping that what happens with this now is that they take a harder look at it. Uh, and maybe what we think was the worst thing for the NCAA, maybe the best thing, if they actually come out and make some common sense rules for for the transfer portal and nil. Because this is all, I mean, in Dion's case, it's a little bit different because it not, it's not necessarily tied to nil. Because I don't think any of those athletes were on any nil contracts coming into a 1-11 in team. But... Uh, especially when you look at college basketball, it's it's very specifically tied to nil, right? So it's the hey, if I go, I'm playing for a mid-major school, or I'm playing in the you know AAC, uh, I shot the lights out, or and I get to go play for a big-time school like Carolina. The ACC is going to be on you know TV nationwide, you know, 75% of the games. I now have a ch- there's money involved, so now it's no longer about just going to a better program. It's now that I'm getting paid for it. So what's your what's your assessment after the one game? Uh, do you see further changes coming down the pipe for the NCAA, the transfer portal? Uh, and do you, you think it's good or bad? Oh yeah. I think changes are, are, are imminent to the transfer portal. I would, I, and I would suspect that changes are going to happen to the transfer portal before this season's over. Uh, mainly because the sec commissioner, again, Greg Sankey coming out and he has a lot, obviously he has a lot of sway, with the NC, NCAA, you know, being over the SEC, right? That, I mean, that is SEC is college, you know, the college football conference, uh, you know, that a bunch of people, you know, uses the gold standard. And so the fact that Dion was successful in using it and Greg Sankey has a problem with it, he's going to, uh, yeah, they're, 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 there's going to be changes to the transfer portal. I, as far as whether it's good or bad, I don't know. I honestly, like I wasn't a I, I wasn't a fan of the transfer portal to begin with, concept. Um, you know, mainly because I don't think we I, I didn't think you needed a special one. Hey, man, if a kid's got to change schools for whatever reason, like you said, hey, I want to play for you know I want to go play for Bobby Bowden, Steve Spurrier, Urban Meyer, like because that's my best chance to be on you know eight o'clock ESPN, and that's my best chance to get seen and possibly get a shot, you know at the you know at the NFL. 
dude, let the kid go play. Let him go play. Because at the end of the day, schools can only carry so many people on that roster to begin right. with. So right. who, who, if everybody wants to go play at Florida, okay. And so, you know, Florida's, you know, Florida's going to take, you know, the however many people are on that roster and everybody else, hey, sorry, man, you you know, you're not on the roster. So they're going to wind up at other schools anyway. It's not like one school is going to have all the players. And right. and so I, I didn't see the need for the transfer portal. And like you said, you know, there's always extenuating circumstances. There's other reasons people change schools. You know, hey, I'm the primary caregiver for my parents. I need to be, you know, close to them or, you know, I've, whatever the case may be. I need to be at this, you know, in this geographical location for X reason. Okay, too easy. Go play. Oh, they don't have a spot for you on your roster? Well, I guess you got a decision to make, huh? You know? And so I never saw the need for the transfer portal. I just saw the need for a little bit of common sense, but we can't have that in, in today's world. So they had to come up with a transfer portal. Well, yeah, it's like you are, said, it's, it's their vested interest, right? It, it's You have the SEC you yeah. know, commissioner, and it's like, hey, I mean, regardless, you want your team to always win it, but if not, you want the, the conference to win, right? For obvious exactly. reasons, yep. TV rights, money, and this and that. Yep. And this goes on my – this is my problem with – and I don't – have you been following the Tez Walker uh, situation with Carolina? I saw it uh, earlier. I saw it earlier today. Um, I, I I didn't dig into it. Um, but yeah, I, I saw it, but I, I definitely don't have the details on it. So here's a kid, Tez Walker. Uh, he initially in 2020 commits and goes to play for North Carolina central and doesn't play a game. North Carolina central said, Nope, we're not playing because of COVID this year. So does not suit up, does not play one game. The entire team doesn't play a game. So then he says, fine, well, I'm going to go to a school. Cause the guy he's, he's six to 200 pounds. So he, you know, receiver, I mean, he's not overly huge, but receivers can be a little bit shorter. So he's got decent, he's got, I guess, average size for a receiver and, and hopefully some, uh, you know, pro uh, aspirations. Uh, so he goes to North Carolina Central. They don't play a game. They shut down for COVID. So he says, okay, hey, I'm transferring and I'm going to go play for Kent State 2021, 2022. So he goes, he plays for Kent State. Uh, and then, you know, obviously it's a mid-major school. Uh, gets approached by North Carolina Tar Heels out at Chapel Hill. And he's from, I think he's from Charlotte or something like that. But says, yeah, I, you know, uh, I want to go uh, be closer to home. And oh, by the way, it's North Carolina, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so he transfers, ready to play. Two days. So at that point, it was all legal. He's ready to play immediately. Two days after he transfers, and that's all complete, NCAA comes back and says, nope, you're ineligible. We just changed the rules for two-time transfers you're not eligible to play at all this year. And they went, uh, his appeal was yesterday that today's Friday's so appeal was yesterday uh, on Thursday. And everybody was kind of like, yeah, surely he'll win the appeal. I mean, it's common sense. The guy only played for one school. Yes. There were some transfers there. He never played at the other school. He was, he was eligible when he transferred to the university of North Carolina, but now you've come back after he's transferred retroactively reinstated some rules and say, eh, you know what? You're no longer eligible. And then they go, they come to, you know, release. So he, he, had, he goes to his appeal and they deny it. And then the NCAA puts out this garbage that, uh, you know, yeah, you know, we're looking at the, you know, the purity of the sport, you know, and, and the mental illness of the kids and, uh, you know, all this other garbage. And I tell you, the, you do not ever see this. And this is what pisses me off about the NCAA. You don't ever see this, but you've got Duke fans coming out. Like, I hate North Carolina. Tez Walker should be allowed to play. Right. Because it, it, it's a common sense thing. You know, you've got the head coach, Mac Brown, come out and just blasted the NCAA 
Uh, I think Bubba Cunningham came out and blasted the NCAA. So it's it's very interesting because you've got a lot of high-profile folks that are officially within the program, associated with the program, and other programs uh, that are coming back and just blasting them all over social media because it was an arbitrary ruling. And it's it's like it's almost like our rights. Eh, you know what? It wasn't us. It was it was just Tez Walker in Carolina. Well, if they can do it to him off that retroactively, they can do it to anybody. Right? They can do it to anybody. They can do it to any player. They can do it to any team. So he so he went to Kent State. Didn't play because they canceled their season. He went to for, North Carolina Central. Didn't play. Oh, NC Central. Okay. And then he went to Kent State and he played a season at Kent State. Right. Correct. 21 22. It, in Kent State, like in what, what is what conference are they in? It's like the Mid Atlantic. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm gonna. Have to, oh, I think like they're like the, the, yeah. I think they're in the MAC. Okay, yeah, like the MAC or something. I mean, it's you know basically a step up from like Tallahassee Community College conference. <laughs> exactly. And so he can't play at UNC at University of North Carolina because he transferred twice. Even though but it did, was legal for him to do, even though it was legal for him to do that two days before he transferred, he, you could you could transfer and then play. Now they're saying he's got to sit out a year. That's crazy. Now, what's about the the what what'd you say about the mental the mental mental illness, mental health of him? Yeah, the NCAA put out some crap about you know. Well, we'll consider it if there's some mental you know health issues and and something else. You know, it's some very very vague. Like one, it was a it was a vague, and I'll I'll look it up here. It was a vague uh, reference that is probably due to something very specific. So there's something behind it. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but it was like wow, it's kind of odd to throw that in there. Has he? Has he seen behavioral health or something? Is yeah, that that I don't are, know? Are they alluding specifically to that? So yeah, so what I read, you know, it's like, hey, he's he's a he's a Charlotte native, and you know, he has family there. And one of the reasons he wanted to come to UNC was he wanted to you know be able to play you know play in front of his family because you know his obviously his family's local ish, um, you know, to to UNC, and then. Yeah, I guess the they don't travel or you know I, I mean it's hard to travel everywhere that you know a college team travels to to play football. Um, yeah, that see that doesn't make any sense, especially right? when when he was able to they, like so he was legitimate when he transferred and then you retroactively yeah. make a rule two days later that says now you can't play. I could see you know okay if you want to change the rules, okay then fine change the rules and say starting today you can't do X. You can't say, oh, you did this two days ago, you know, when it was legal, but now it's not. And so we're going to punish you, too. It's like, I mean, that's like passing, you know, that's like Congress passing legislation, passing a law. And it'd be like, hey, I know this was legal five days ago, but, you know, it's not legal today. And since you did it five days ago, we're going to go ahead and, you know, say you broke the law and and, and prosecute you. And you're like, what? That, yeah, that that doesn't make any sense. So I just pulled them up real quick. So yeah, so he is seeing um, he is seeing behavioral health, and so it appears that's what the NCAA was like. Well, you know, he's got some, you know, he's got some mental uh, health issues, you know. So we're, he, he needs to sit out, and it's like, what? So on one hand, well, one hand we're encouraging people to go seek mental health, right? And then on the other hand, we're using that, you know, as a as a punishment and say, well, we're, we're yeah. going to keep you sitting out because you're, because you're seeing behavioral health. It's like, okay, well, which, 
but what, what is it? You want me to go see, or we, do we want people to go see behavioral health or do we not? Because you can't, you can't encourage it and then use it as a cudgel at the same time that you, you can't do that. Um, but that's, that's generally, I just wish they'd go away, dude. I like, I wish the NCAA would go away and you know, ACC picked up, uh, man, who'd they pick up SMU and Stanford. Like I don't, that doesn't even make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense. Cause I mean, I always thought, you know, the, you know, the, the A and the ACC stood for Atlantic. Um, it's like NATO, I, dude. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I didn't, I didn't realize Stanford, uh, you know, crossed the country, um, into, uh, you know, into the, the, the Atlantic coast, um, but what sense does that even make? I mean, the whole point of the ACC picking up like Miami and Florida State and going after Notre Dame was was football because our basketball programs are, are, yeah. are pretty awesome, you know, top of the country. Uh, it, it was for football. I don't know what SMU and Stanford, what do they bring to the table as far as football? Well, oh, in, Cal- in California. So Stanford, California, and SMU, none of them bring anything to the table for football. Other than none marketing, right? Other than viewership out in California. That, and and, and that's absolutely it. Right. And that's, you know, that's what they're looking at. And so they, you know, I mean, the PAC 12 is disintegrating, right? I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen to the PAC 12. I don't know if the PAC 12 is going to be a thing. Um, in you know, two years from now, I don't know. I don't know how they survive. Um, It'll probably be like the big East. You know, I think the big East, you know, they're around, but they're basically a mid-major conference now, but you know, I, I'd hate to see the ACC go away because I like the history and the tradition and some of the rivalries you have there. But seeing this decision by the NCAA, I'm like, you know what? I almost wish it would just come down to like, you know, a big two or three super conference thing because they would just tell the NCAA to go pound sand. Like, hey, we're just going to have the conference tournaments at the end of the year. The winner of each conference, you know, uh, is going to play in, in some type of playoff format. And there you go, man. That's how you do it. And NCAA, we no longer need you anymore. Yeah. I think part of it may have been to the ACC bringing those three in is the, I think the ACC is afraid that Florida state and a couple others are going to leave. Um, Florida state has already talked about it. There was a couple of articles in the Tallahassee Democrat uh, to where the FSU boosters, they had, you know, kind of put some feelers out. Hey, you know, how much, you know, can we go ahead and have FSU leave the ACC? And, you know, obviously they, they, they still owe the ACC some money over the next, uh, however many years, I think it's like seven or six or seven years. Uh, you know, obviously they'd have to pay some, some money to, to do that, but you know, much like Willie Taggart, them buying his contract out, you know, for however many tens of billions, they, you know, they, they, they were like, let's go ahead and take a look at this. Cause I think Florida state's pretty frustrated with the ACC. There's a couple of teams that are frustrated with the ACC and they actually talked about, you know, going over to the sec, which yep. Florida state and the sec, I mean, you know, I dude, I love I love FSU and but man, <laughs> FSU and the SEC, like I don't know if you guys are ready to get punched in the mouth every yeah, week. It's not it's not like when they came over to the ACC and like ten years in a row were like conference champions. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're not brother. gonna you're not gonna have that you're not gonna have that run in the SEC. There's these teams over there called Alabama and Georgia, and they are they are not going anywhere anytime soon. But I tell you, with Clemson, with Clemson's. <sighs> humiliating defeat at Duke. I mean, dude, dude I would have lost, I would have lost money on that game. Cause if somebody would have came to me, and was like, Duke's I did be Clemson. <laughs> Luke <laughs> lost money on that game too. <laughs> dude. No, if somebody came to me, it was like, Duke is going to be Clemson. You should put some money on it. I would have been like, you're high. And I would have put my money on Clemson. 
because there's no like there's no way Duke's gonna you know, that's a sure bet Clemson. right yeah that's a sure bet Dude. that's like literally if I have an extra three or four hundred bucks I'm like you know what yeah I'll win like a hundred bucks if I bet three hundred but I mean Clemson's not gonna lose to Duke no surely not dude they they got beaten like a redheaded stepchild that owed somebody some a lot of money I mean it, it wasn't even close I mean they went into the half and you're like why is this game tied or why is you know why is Duke up and then they came out in the third and fourth quarter is like Oh, like Clemson's not gonna Clemson's not gonna pull this out because you figure like Clemson's gonna go into the locker room at halftime. They're gonna get embarrassed, you know. Coach Dude Dabo's gonna lay into them, and they're gonna come out fired up. Dude, dude, they came out of the locker room worse than <laughs> they played worse in the second half than they did the first half, and you're like, ooh. ooh well, and the bad. money line changed when Duke went up. Uh, I was sitting there with Luke, and I'm looking at my little app thing, and I'm like, oh, the money line changed. Like it changed like 400 points. So I'm like. I'm putting money on it, right? Because Clemson, like, I'm like you, dude. They're going to go into halftime, and they're going to come out, and they're going to drop 50 points in the second half. And it just kind of keeps going, man. And it's a little bit of petering. They get ahead a little bit, but Duke's hanging around. And, and with any of these underdogs in any sport, you let them hang around long enough, they start to believe they can win, right? And then the pressure yeah. builds on Clemson because there's no pressure on Duke. You're expected to lose by 50. So it's like, wait yeah. wait a minute. We're, we're still within, you know, like three points. And then yeah. I just watched my money go down the drain. Like I, I got to halfway the fourth quarter. I'm like, this is over ball game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not as you know, you, you expect them to come out and like you said, man, they, then they, they get to that like mid to end of the third quarter and they're like, we, we may pull this out. And the power of believing in yourself, of believing, yeah. like you said, you know, at the beginning, like you know, Colorado, you get somebody to believe that, Hey, this is possible, man. It was the biggest, the biggest win I think in Duke fo- football history. I mean, they nobody <laughs> expected them, nobody expected them to win at all because it's Duke. Duke is not a football school; they're a basketball school, right? I mean, that's that's what they, you know, that's what they do. Dude, they came in and they punched Clemson straight in the mouth, and I loathe Clemson. Uh, you know, I mean, because they've they've run the the gamut in the ACC the last Lord probably five or six years now. Yeah. Um, so I'm just glad that college football is back. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Florida State uh, believes in themselves now. They came out and had a great game against LSU. I lost they money on them too. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I am 0 for 3. I, I put money on Clemson. I put money on LSU. And I put money on the NFL game last night. On Because, uh, again, Kansas City right now, the, Clemson, the uh, LSU-Florida State game, I mean, that there, it could have gone either way. I mean, as far as the money and, and this and that. So I was just like, ah, you know what, LSU, so I'll throw some money on there. But uh, like the Kansas City game last night with the NFL, Kansas City, man, another sure thing. If I had $1,000, like, there's no way Detroit's coming in and beating Kansas City, the Super Bowl champs, you know, the season opener at home. No way. Dude, the – wait, Travis Kelsey was out for that game, right? Because he got yeah. hurt. Him Dude. and uh, one of their defensive tackles, I think, it was yeah. holding out. Watch not I, so I don't watch the NFL, but uh, you know you can't help but see headlines and stuff like that. Watch Pat Mahomes' numbers go down and KC, dude, Kansas City. I, I, yeah. Granted, who they play with Detroit? You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kansas City, though, they do not have Travis Kelsey. He's a future Hall of Famer. Them not having him, that right there, should have been Jeez. the tail of the tape. Be like, man, you know what? Because Take a look at take a look at Pat Mahomes' stats with Travis Kelsey, and then take Travis Kelsey out of the equation. It takes a lot of it. It, it, it takes his one of his favorite weapons away. 
Um, I mean, Brady so, made a career off of receiving tight ends, right? I mean, yeah, you know, obviously Brady, yeah. you know, Brady did a lot of things on his own, but yeah, you look at the numbers with without Gronk, and even back with Hernandez when he was alive and playing. I mean, it's those receiving tight ends, man, that it's just so yep. far and few, uh, you know, in, in the NFL. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I would have, I, I could have put money on either either team on that one. Um, yeah, Florida State and LSU, I would have probably put money on LSU too, simply because I've been. <laughs> I've been let down by Florida State so many times. It's still my team. I love them. I'll you know I'll, I'll be a Seminole till you know till my last day. But God, they have let me down so much. I would have been like, yeah, they're probably gonna they're they're gonna f this up. Like they're gonna they're gonna do it. And, and when they started off, you know, the first half of the first quarter, I was like, yep, there's a Florida State I knew. Stupid penalties, you know, trying to run before you catch the pass, you know, not one arm one arm tackles stuff like that. I was like, there they are. That's my boys. Um, and so, but man, so let me ask you this, let me ask you this. Cause I want to go back and talk about the Deion Sanders thing and the way he practiced and, and, you know, these two days and this and that, because one thing, you know, with ASU, they've already, it's, it's interesting because before the season started ASU and I'm not a fan of them. They're just, they're here locally. So, you know, you support the local team. My, my kids go there, went there, but it's, uh, they have already said, Hey, they're not going to be bowl eligible. They're going to suspend themselves. And, and they did it before the year even started. So there's no telling how bad it is, but one of the things, uh, one of the things that I'm curious about looking at, um, what Deion Sanders did, when do you think other coaches catch on? Because one thing that there's like here at, at ASU, they've got a big dome. It's like a clamshell and they practice football and, and, and especially during the summertime there. And I'm like, to me, that is your home field advantage. Like I want my players to be acclimated to 115 degree temperature. Like when you come in to, you know, Sun Devil Stadium, I want you to be like, oh dear baby Jesus, I cannot play here. This, this is miserable. And I think, and I, I think you the same thing with any of those states that are, uh, you know, higher elevation, those high elevation stadiums, you're talking about like Denver, especially like in the, you know, in the NBA at the free throw line, they have 5,280 imprinted on the floor. You know, it's psychological. They want you to see that, yeah, I am a mile up. Now, granted, most of the players in the NBA probably don't realize that 5,280 is one mile up. So maybe they just should just put <laughs> one mile up. <laughs> but at, at what point do other coaches start to follow suit and say, hey, because uh, again, he like you said, man, to take that many players and to have them mesh that fast and beat a ranked team on the road, home opener, I mean, that's incredible. So when do you think other coaches start to follow suit with that type of that type of training camp? I don't know. But I mean, it's not like, you know, and obviously Dion didn't invent this, this, this style. I mean, this style has been around for a very, very long time. Um, you know, I mean, you had Bear Bryant, uh, you know, you had other coaches that implemented this same style. And as much as I, as much as I dislike Urban Meyer, you know, I mean, when he ran camp, he ran, I mean, it was a dictatorship and it was, you know, you mess up, you drop a pass, you run a mile, you fumble a ball, you run a mile, you miss a tackle, you run a mile, you miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. And I mean, those were, and, and you know, hate, and like he said, man, I hate Urban Meyer, but you look at him, what he did at Florida, even in Ohio state. And I hate, God, I hate Ohio state so much. <laughs> and Ohio state fans are some of the worst, the people worst. on this planet. Um, the worst. 
Right, they're, they're they, right up there he, with Dallas fans. Just saying. Yeah, but they they he ran great programs, and you know I remember back in the day at Florida State when Florida State was every year was a national title contender, and it's that defensive that defensive line with Marvin Jones and everybody, and you have Mickey Andrews as the defensive coordinator. Mickey Andrews for every block that you missed, for every tackle that you missed, for every potential interception that you dropped, for every fumble you didn't recover. You ran stadiums. You ran Dope Campbell Stadium, all of it, the next day in practice. So it was, and he was like, I don't care. I don't care. Practice goes to midnight. You're running your stadiums because that's your punishment. And what did it do? It made people bigger, stronger, faster for starters. And two, it made people work a lot harder because they're like, God, I don't want to have to run stadiums. Again, but that's what he did. He was like, you're running stadiums. And you'd see the linebackers out there, you know, during the day. And, you know, Tallahassee, it's not Sun Devil Stadium, but, you know, Tallahassee in the summer. It's probably you start talking, Dude, you start talking July and August, man, when it's 90-something degrees with, you know, 80% humidity. That's, the, the, that's, no, that's no walk in the park. But you take a look at these programs. Nick Saban's another one. Nick Saban, man. Dude, you see some of the video coming out of, you know, his camps and stuff like that. Bro, he is run, he's running those kids ragged, but he, he builds championship-caliber teams. And that's what builds championship-caliber teams, and we know this. You know, it's the same thing with the military. It's like you can, you, know, you can make training soft if you want, but when you go across the pond, you get ready to go do something, you know, you're, you're, you're going to pay for it, and you're going to pay for it in blood. Um, you know, the harder you train, the, you know, the easier the real thing is. Um, I would like to see a lot more coaches catch on to that simply because I think that's what – especially these days, I think that's what college, college age kids need. Um, you know, and, and, and kudos to Deion Sanders for taking kids from this, you know, college kids of this generation, bringing them in and making it hard on them. And kudos to those kids for states for sticking around and not quitting. Cause there's a lot of folks. I mean, they all had the option to be like, you know, they had the option to go ring the bell and say, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm not doing this, but you know, kudos to, to the, all those students and players who, you know, who stayed and it's like, no, man, I want to, you know, I want to be here. Cause again, I want to play for Deion Sanders because at the end of the day, again, love him or hate him, Deion is going to get you your time on ESPN because people are going to cover Deion. They might not be covering you, you know, the tight end position or the, you know, the nose tackle, but they're going to cover Deion. And then you're going to get, people are going to come out to watch Deion and then they're going to see you. Dude, it's national a, TV coverage. You, you took yeah. Colorado that won one game last year on the road at <laughs> TCU that was ranked, what, 17 or 21? And yeah. it was you know, prime time nationwide television. Yeah. Right. So you're yeah, absolutely right. And, the, and, and that's the thing, man. It's the, and you brought up a good point too, because you're, you're not talking about NFL or professional athletes. You're talking about college kids. You know, they get, they need that guidance. They need that mentoring. It's, it's more than about just the sport uh, and Carolina basketball, you know, they went through a pretty good overhaul this year. And uh, though they did not come out directly and say it, but you start seeing some of the tweets from the players that stayed and some of the players that left, uh, and it was like, hey, some people are willing to put in the grind and some people aren't. And if you're not willing to put in the grind, then you need to go somewhere else uh, because this is this is not the place to be for you. You know, they want to win. Before yeah. I uh, jump on to a, another topic real quick, the one, I commend you on your shirt. Love it. An appeal to heaven. Hey, folks out there, if you've never heard an appeal to heaven uh, or seen this shirt, that type of thing, look it up. Google it. it it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, it's a good story there. I also want to give a quick shout out. I know we're right in the middle of our podcast here, but a quick shout out to Will. 
Uh, he's one of our listeners, loyal listeners since the beginning, a uh, close friend of ours, but he had, he actually made these stickers for us. So it was pretty cool. So, you know, they're also on YouTube. You can see the little C3 sticker. Uh, love it. Uh, cause I'm sticking them everywhere. Uh, already, you know, I just came back from, uh, an Airbnb hanging out with Luke and made sure I stuck a C3 sticker in the uh, sign in log, but you got the, uh, pandas are scary sticker, uh, made especially for Luke, the, defund the hoa <laughs> sticker i love <laughs> i love I, I need to post that on my uh my hoa facebook uh you know uh, homepage or whatever and then the mule sauce uh hot sauce it's actually pretty cool because one i'm gonna stick the stickers everywhere but you know it's uh man we've got some dedicated and loyal listeners out there you know folks that go out there and spend because like we didn't give him graphics or anything right now i know you can go on there and download stuff and, and whatever but like we didn't give him graphics or anything so he went download this stuff, use his own time, his own resources. Not saying that other folks have to do this or we want them to do it, but it's pretty cool when you have some of your listeners do that and uh, just kind of do it on their own and it's like, oh, by the way, I've got something for you. Here you go. So, you know, a big shout out to Will. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate Will doing that, man. He, you know, again, he uses, you know, his own funds to, to do that. And we, we sincerely appreciate it. And so what, what, a quick tangent. So the defund the HOA thing, so it looks like I am going to be elected president of my newly formed <laughs> HOA, right? Not because, not because I've been out shaking hands, you know, and, and handing, you know, and, and, you know, handing babies lollipops and, and stuff like that. Only because I was the only person to put my name down for it. Um, so I think, I mean, I, I can still lose. Like nobody could, nobody, I could not get one vote. Right? You know what I'm so, going to do? I mean, I, you know, I'm going to go back to the episode. If you were king for a day, what would you do? And you kind of, you know, the, suspending the constitution, yep. all that stuff. Yeah. I'm going to send that link to like your whole of board <laughs> members. Like here's what you're getting yourself into. Well, so here was, uh, everybody submitted, everybody who was running for a position submitted their bios, right? They had, and everybody submitted like their LinkedIn, you know, headshots. And they were like, you know, John Smith has been a resident of the neighborhood for X number of years and is currently serving in the United States Army in this capacity, blah, 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 right? They have three kids. So I sent in mine and it's like, you know, it's a, it's a selfie with the wife and I. And I was like, my goal as your HOA president is to ensure that the HOA does the bare minimum in the neighborhood to keep like our street lights on. And other than that, decrease their influence in our day-to-day lives and limit their say in what we can and can't do. That was literally, I was like, there's my bio for you right there. So you can, you know, if you don't want that, then I'm not your guy. If you want that, then I'm your guy. Everybody else is like, everybody else is like to make the neighborhood a safe, enjoyable, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'm here to destroy the HOA. I'm here to limit its sphere of influence over your day-to-day life and, and keep the, keep the reins on it. Um, so we'll see We'll see what happens, um, but I need to I need to get a couple of those defund the HOA stickers from you because I need to uh, I need to have those. Um, Luke has in your case I get set. elected. Okay, yeah, yeah. I gave I him a set of uh, gave him his set and your set. And the HOA thing, I mean, we talked about it a couple of times in here, but there was a lot more influence than what people believe. And you know, in Phoenix, it it's mind boggling to me because some people want to be governed. A lot of people want to be governed. A lot of people want to be told what to do. So Phoenix, they just passed, I think they just passed it where they said, Hey, you can now have casitas and you can rent them out. Okay. You can always have casitas, but you can rent them out as, you know, um, for, you know, additional apartments, living spaces or whatever. And, you know, a lot of folks are happy with that because home prices are so high. Apartments are so high. There's lack of places to live. So the casita is going to open up the market by 
you know, probably tens of thousands, right? Uh, when you look throughout the entire valley. And a lot of that stuff will go to HOAs, whether, you know, you can have the casitas, whether you, you know, can't have casitas, what they got to look like, this and that, whatever. They'll regulate all that stuff. It is amazing because my, my, here's my whole thing. Hey, man, it's your property. Build whatever the hell you want to on there. You know, build a guest home, whatever. Uh, my only concern would be like parking. I think your parking needs to be self-contained parking because we just don't have the room on the streets. Okay. So if you take every house here in our neighborhood, that's got a casita, we've got 48 homes. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of street parking and uh, you know, you, you have an additional 48 cars parked along the streets. Uh, it's tough. We just don't have the space for it. So, you know, that is where I think I hope like, Hey, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you need to have some self-contained parking, i.e., you know, the RV gate, pull in like with us, we've got a gravel quarter minus driveway or whatever on the side of the house you can pull up there or whatever. But it is amazing how many people are like, well, no, we should have laws against that. Oh, it's yeah. Like, it's your property. I mean, outside of me putting a car with, you know, sitting on center blocks in the front yard, I think there's some common sense laws, right? Like, I understand you shouldn't have that. Uh, but building a guest home, which is very, very common, it's not out of the ordinary, it's not an extreme. And then being like, well, you know what? We're going to let you build your guest home, but I get to determine how you use it. I, people want that. Yeah, no, people absolutely want that. You see New York getting rid of, you know, basically cracking down on Airbnbs. They're getting rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically, or they've you know, made the laws so tough that you can't have it. Exactly. No more less than 30 day rentals, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, really? I mean, Hawaii did that and it really hurt. I mean, you know, I say, yeah, obviously Hawaii is not going to, you know, go under, you know, because they're from their tourism alone, but you can't get an Airbnb in Hawaii for less than 30 days. Um, and I think on one or two of the islands, but it's, it's absolutely nuts. And, and the HOA thing, like I get, I, I understand why people want homeowners associations, right. To maintain their property value. But let's say you take a neighborhood like ours and not that, you know, only because housing is overinflated right now, the, you know, uh, value wise people who are buying houses in our neighborhood, aren't the people you have to worry about putting cars on blocks sitting in your, you know, sitting in their driveway and, you know, sitting there for a year. They're right. not the people you have to worry about having inflatable pools and, you know, in their front yard, you know, for a <laughs> year at a time, like because the pricing alone keeps, keeps them out. Right. It, it, it's prohibitive for them to, uh, you know, to buy here. Everybody in our neighborhood, they keep their grass mode. Some people might let it go a little longer than, you know, I would, but that doesn't mean it's, you know, it's like, oh my God, it's so unsightly. Like it's not bringing my property value down because they cut their grass every three weeks as opposed to me cutting my grass every week and a half, right? right. It's not that big of a deal. Where hoas go wrong is when they overstep because as we found out in 2020, um, in, you know, 2021, especially, you know, with COVID is there's, man, there are some... God, there are a lot of Nazis and, and, and communists in our area, man. They love not only do they want to be governed, they want to govern you. And they want to govern they do they want to govern the shit out of you. And <laughs> like so my father-in-law's neighborhood, their HOA voted and it passed. You cannot park your car in your driveway. It has to be inside your garage. Wow. What you if you already had a vehicle that didn't fit? Like my truck won't fit in the, in the garage. Too bad. Too bad. Then then you're going to get fined. And so my father-in-law, he's like, I have a part one because his garage is, you know, it's his work area. He's got a little workshop, you know, stuff like that. And he's got things in there. And he's like, yeah, I have a part my car in my garage from, since the day they passed that thing. And I dare somebody to come tell me. I, he's like, and I dare the first person to drop a fine in my mailbox. He's like, I dare him. 
And they were also going to pass and put a limit on how many pets you could have. I was Our like, home oh. has that. We actually have it's that. Like, I mean, nobody cares, but we have that. Yeah. Well, these people would enforce it because, again, these people are the same people who are like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right, John. We should really, you know, get everybody to park their car in their garage and not their driveway. Like even parking on the street, you know, and, and we've seen it happen a little bit here in our neighborhood. People are like, hey, uh, how long are you going to have your RV parked in front of your house? Like, so my, you know, it, a couple of people, a couple of people in our neighborhood have RVs and they get ready to go somewhere. It's not, sure. they don't pull it up and two hours later it's gone. Like they get home from work, they go, they grab it out of storage, wherever it's at. They bring it into the neighborhood. They park it on the street in front of their house and, you know, they load it up and maybe the next day they're gone, but it sits out over, you know, it's there overnight and stuff like that. And dude, people are like, well, you should only be able to have your RV in front of your house for like an hour. And it's like, do you know how long it takes to load one of those things up and get everything ready and done? It's like, I don't have an RV, but my neighbor does and talking to him about it. And, you know, obviously I know you, you know, you guys got one and, you know, so, uh, some of our listeners have them. Dude, I don't care. Like, dude, pull your RV, leave it in front of your house for 48 hours. I don't care. When you get yeah, back, we, you've got to really unpack bars. it, clean it. Like, leave it in front of your house for a week after you get back. Like, I don't I, I don't care. And we have small streets. Hey, if you're having a party tonight, people got a street side park. Hey, cool. Just do me, just do, you know, all you got to do is be a good neighbor and ask your neighbor, hey, do you mind if people park in front on the street in front of your house? Is that cool? Be a good neighbor. You don't need a hoa to do that. You know, it's like the, you know, it's like you talking about the, you know, the NCAA. Like the conferences don't need the NCAA, you know, to to tell them what they can and can't do. They just get together and work it out. Conference right? committee, like, like human beings. <clears throat> um, you know, it's like the transfer portal. Hey, man, why you you know, you oh you're gonna transfer schools? Oh, you, you, they got a better degree program over there. You want, okay? That's fine. Yeah, go do it. Like I don't need I don't need Mother May eyes and I don't need this governance above me. Like I'll just go talk to my neighbor like a, like a human being and you know and deal with it but it's just i i don't need i don't need another layer of governance governance in my life i have enough government <laughs> in my life i need less governance in my life all the way and down I, to I the wife can, well, <laughs> I, <laughs> she listens i'm not gonna say that um you know does so, she really yeah so she listens to some yeah so she listened to the one uh that we did with uh with brandon and, and jerry yeah, well apparently really everybody listened one. to that episode she loved it, man. She loved it. Yeah, we do. We got a lot of traction on that. Brandon and Jarrett shared it for, for their people. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll share this one and future ones. Um, cause we got a lot of, we got a lot of traction from those, from those awesome, amazing, good, good, good Americans out in Kansas. Um, you know, so hopefully, Heck hopefully yeah, they do the same in the future. So I got uh, one last thing here. Student loan repayments, which I love, started collecting interest again uh, one September. So now people have to make payments on their student loans. And they've got this bill out there that, which is, I think I wrote it down somewhere. Here we go. So now there's this, uh, I, don't, I don't even know the name of it. There's some national program, a federal program, where they are trying to tie your student loan repayment to, it's going to be based on your discretionary income. And then if you are within 225% of the national poverty level, then that will basically determine how much you pay and what you pay. Now, my, my thing is, I don't know if that affects the overall outcome. I mean, to me, it, it just says that you're paying less. You're going to be paid. You're going to pay longer, longer because either way, you still got the, the same amount. But when you talk about the housing bubble, which I think we're in a bubble, I think 
that's pretty clear when you, you know, subprimes have already started coming back. You already start to see the, the ads for that stuff. I mean, I guess they, they, people didn't remember 2008, you know, go back and watch the big short, that type of stuff. Um, with student loan payments coming back, which if you were smart, you were making payments over the last three years because yep. no interest was, was accruing, right? You're getting straight principal payments, make the payments, you're rocking and rolling, nothing's accruing. Uh, do you think the student loan repayment coming back is going to have a, a fairly quick impact or immediate impact on the housing market and folks no longer being able to make house payments because they're making six, $700 a month student loan payments? I think it's going to impact some people. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, do I pay my student loan back or do I pay my mortgage? Um, you know, or do I got to, you know, one, I got to pay my student loan back. Do I buy a house, right, for those first time home buyers or for, you know, folks like us, you know, going out and taking a look and saying, you know, because, you know, this is not the home we're in now is not our forever home. Uh, you know, mainly because it's two stories and I don't want stairs in my forever home. Um, and I want a first floor master bedroom. So, <laughs> I was going to say, you're not going to be able to climb the stairs here in a few more years. No. So, you know, is it going to have an impact? I don't know. I, I'm going to assume, you know, just, I mean, it's going to impact some people. Uh, but, you know, it, it, me personally, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I honestly, I don't care about it. I don't think it's going to have a big enough impact. That it's going to crash the housing market. I think something else is going to, you know, pop that housing bubble. Um, yeah. I mean, they're talking about the feds. Are, are getting ready to raise the the interest rate yet again, uh, which I think that you already have you already have people who aren't building homes, new homes. You have you know people who are in homes now that aren't buying or building new homes because they you know most of them like us got in twenty nineteen you know, early 2020. And it's like, why would I build a new house right now and give up my 2.9% rate for a, you know, seven plus rate, you know, on a new home? Like I can't afford the amount of home that it would take for us to live comfortably to build right now with seven plus percent in the interest rate. And it's getting ready to go up again. Like you're crazy. I think that's going to, I think that's going to hurt the housing market more than people having to repay their student loans, which again, but the, the student loan thing, I, I don't care about, about people's student loans. Just pay your bills. You, you, you entered into a financial obligation voluntarily and you need to pay your bills. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's cut and dry. Just like any other financial obligation, people have credit cards, you know, whatever it is. It's like, Hey, you pay it. I'm wondering, and I haven't done the, the math on it to look at it, but you know, I'm wondering, uh, and of course this is what the fed, I mean, maybe the fed loves this because maybe the fact that, that student loan repayments coming back, there's less disposable income. Uh, trying to cool off inflation some, you know, you talk about the houses, this and that, because that's the Fed's job, or, or I shouldn't say job. That is kind of their tactic is that when inflation gets high and the economy's too hot, uh, we just need to put it in a recession. That's just what you yeah. got to do. And we've been saying this for years now, two and a half years that, you know, the only thing keeping this thing afloat is the unemployment market or the, the labor market, the unemployment rate being very low in the labor market. And people are having to work because inflation is so high and it's, it's kind of, you know, it pisses me off because a lot of folks, especially you see on, on X where, you know, you got the Krugers and these guys that are all, you know, these economists and experts and they're just being straight disingenuous. I mean, you talk about the inflation rate, which is creeping back up and they're like, Oh, it's only, you know, 3.3%. It's great. And we said, we called this out a year ago. It's like actually over a year ago. So, Hey, inflation is year over year. Wait till it starts to overlap on itself. People will be like, look, we went from 9% to three. No, it's three on top of the nine from last year. Right. 
Yeah, it, people do not understand the year over year thing. They don't, and they, you know they cherry pick the numbers. They're like, hey, inflation, you know, is three point eight percent this year. It's like, well, well, yeah, on top of the you know, 7% that it was last year, you know, whatever that number is. And you talk about, you know, and we've said it on here before, the only thing keeping this thing together is those unemployment numbers. And you take a look at the August numbers, unemployment rose to 3.8%, and that's up from 3.5% in July. So it's starting it's starting to tick up, um, you know, and then you saw, and I don't, and I don't get it, especially, and granted this year is not an election year, but you're going into, you know, you're going into campaign season, that the Biden administration is canceling all of the Alaska North Slope uh, drilling permits. 10 million acres, like, dude. Yeah. And you're like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're going to go into campaign season with $5 gas? Because there's a lot of people, hey, man, people might not be buying a home. They might be. And so, you know, people are like, okay, well, some people might not see prices going up. Everybody feels it when gas prices go up. Everybody. And so them doing that, it's like, ah, oh, man, that's a but, that's a but, real head scratcher. But, but, but president has nothing to do with with gas prices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I saw I saw that yesterday. I was like, ooh, man, it's like that's a that's a bold move. You want five dollar <laughs> gas? All right, all right. Because I mean, everything, even you know, and the people I know I already hear a couple people right now be like, well, not everybody has a car, Josh. Be like, okay, well, petroleum's not in just your 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 fuel tank, Dick. Right. Um, It's like those protesters that did the. uh, I I was gonna. I was gonna tweet it, but I think I was drunk and I forgot. They were like, (laughs) you know, ban all petroleum and fossil fuels, and they used a plastic sign and put it up on the gate. I'm like, so what do you think (laughs) is in that plastic? I'd had more a greater appreciation if they had like, I don't know, use some like you know blood on a on a white sheet or cotton sheet or something like that and tied it up there. You know, yeah. Petroleum is in everything. I mean, it is in a lot of stuff and people, they do, they don't get it, but people are like, well, I don't, I don't, I live in the city. I don't own a car. So I'm not worried about gas. But like, I guess that food just magically shows up in the supermarket, huh? Trucks don't, yeah. Trucks don't bring that stuff at all. You know, it's, it'll be interesting to, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. You know, and we were, it's kind of funny because, I, and I don't know the reason for it. Maybe some, maybe one of our listeners, uh, you know, knows the reason, but we were just chatting this morning. It's like, Hey, you know, campaign season's been kind of, uh, quiet for the last week and a half or so. I guess since we dropped our last episode, I mean, it, you know, you hear a little bit of the, you know, the, the people are doing the rounds. I think, uh, DeSantis was on Fox yesterday and, you know, you've seen the Nikki Haley's and, uh, Tim Scott's, but outside of that, man, a couple clippets, you know, from here and there everything's been pretty quiet. So I don't know if this is like the calm before the storm or, or what the deal is, or maybe just everybody's kids are going back to school. So they're, you know, trying to give everybody a little bit of a break for a couple of weeks. That might be, that might be part of it, but I, you know, ever since you're, but you're right though, when DeSantis turned around, you know, and, and rolled back to Florida to deal with the, uh, to deal with the hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of, everything kind of got quiet. Not just, not just DeSantis, but everybody, um, you haven't heard a lot, um, except for your, except for your boy, on uh, on True Social, um, who finally realized that Ann Coulter truly is crazy. Um, and, <laughs> Dude, you know, she fell off the deep end. Like, she was always off the deep end. Uh, maybe, like maybe she, we were she, just, we were we were just in the, the the pool with her, so she seemed all right. And then she, I don't know, know, man. Yeah, she. I mean, I remember in 2016 when she was like, you know, she was on that panel, and they were like, "Who's going to go elect?" She's like Donald Trump, and everybody laughed at her. Right? And it was like, oh no, she she she, she called it, um, but. Yeah, dude, the last couple of years, well, I'd say the last couple of years, but like ever, but really 
for a long time. Like she's been, she's been out there. She's, she's straight Laura Loomer crazy. And so, you know, and now Trump, you know, came out railing against Ann Coulter, which again, that's not unusual. I mean, which is not surprising. Some people I saw on Twitter, like, I'm surprised he did that. It's like, dude, he lashed out and berated uh, Kaylee McEnany. Like, I mean, just, you know, one of the nicest people that you can possibly have. And I mean, he even, you know, drug her through the mud. It was like, dude, yeah. if she's not safe, nobody is safe at all. Well, and I heard somebody say the other day and, and I sent it out on our text. It's, you know, when he ran the first time and when he ran the second time, uh, it was look at what they're doing to us. Right. And this time around so far, the message is look at what they're doing to me. And you start to yeah. see that more and more and more again, uh, over and over and over again. And it's uh, it's very telling. And it's a subtle difference, right? And I didn't even realize it until somebody, you know, I heard it from from one of the pundits. And I was like, it's a pretty subtle difference, but uh, it's a huge difference. So, you know, I, I don't know what kind of impact that I'll have going forward. Again, a long way to election season. Uh, last thing that I have real quick, and I thought I need to close out. the uh, We didn't even talk about the, uh, uh, what's his name, An- Oliver Anthony song. But pretty good song, Richmond, North of Richmond. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. I, I got to admit, I've had it on for uh, a couple of times, but I'll, I'll leave you with this. Uh, this has got to be the best lyric uh, of the year. Well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bags of fudge, fudge rounds. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I love that song it, is, Dude, so that song is fantastic, right? And I think the best part was, you remember when we did the, you know, we watched the uh, the GOP primary debates, the, the, the first one, and they opened with that song. And people in GOP, you know, some of them were like, yeah, man, yeah, you know, people are tired of Washington and blah, blah. And it's like, that song's about you too. It's not like that song is not <laughs> just about the left. Like, it's about you too, bro. Um, you know, hey, Mike Pence, that song's about you, right? You're, you're, you're wrapped up in that. Um, it was kind of, it was just, it, just to see that, you, how tone deaf most of them are. Uh, was legit, but yeah, that's dude. That's a great line. Um, if you get a chance, I, I gotta watch it. I still haven't done it. Uh, watch him on uh, his episode he did with Rogan. Um, you know, it's 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 really good. Dude got on Joe Rogan and started pulled off the Bible and was you know reading Bible verses um, and stuff, and it's really really good. And it just you know it. I think that goes back to a testament, you know, a testament to Joe Rogan and the fact that he's probably one of the greatest interviewers, you know, of our time um, and moderators. Like, God, I wish they would have every presidential candidate go sit down with him for, you know, three hours and, and, and talk, man, because he he is a no holds barred. Like he doesn't pick a side like he, he would drag everybody. Um, so. Anyway, all right, this is going to do it for this one. It's a quick one. Uh, we wanted to, uh, you know, get one out um, for our for our seven listeners out there. So, so just a couple quick shout outs. Hey, Damon, uh, thanks for listening. Um, we're here. And uh, JT up in Virginia, Jason out in Louisiana, Grant, and uh, Big Game James down in, uh, down in Florida. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all you folks taking time out of your day, listening to us rant and ramble about whatever. And uh, until next time, keep those canteen cups full of some Redwood Empire. Dude, that's good stuff. Cash, cash strength pipe dream. Man, that was so, it was so Even good. the regular is um, good. I bought the regular yeah. yesterday and I'm like, man, this thing, it's a little thin because I mean, it, dude, it's a $25 bottle. So it's slightly thin, but dude, the, the flavor, flavor profile is on point, on point. Yeah. I think it's 90 proof. Dude, perfect. It was so good. I, I, I'm going to, I got to grab the next, uh, 
the next one I see, plus the uh, the the Emerald Giant, which everybody was saying that the uh, that one and there's the other one, their rye is phenomenal too. So best thing to anyway, come out of California since Reagan. That's right. So anyway, everybody take care, and we will see y'all on the next episode.